Shoemate the Third here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. So, uh, you know, first off, before we get into it, um, again, I am flabbergasted and just amazed by the performance that Strange Places has had. Um, I've been running my other podcast, No Disclosure, kind of a weird, you know, weird news podcast, comedy kind of thing, you know, and uh, <laughs> I am... I'm I'm just floored. I'm beside myself. Uh, Strange Places does in a week what No Disclosure does in a month. And I know that Weird News is kind of a difficult niche to make a podcast for. Everybody loves the paranormal, the, you know, true crime kind of thing, the, you know, the supernatural stuff. I mean, everybody loves that, you know. And uh, I, I knew that Strange Places had a bigger kind of niche demographic, you know. But uh, I never expected Strange Places to do as well as it's been doing. And, you know, with that said, I really appreciate it. And I know you guys enjoy the show. I enjoy making it. So on this one, we're going to talk about something kind of strange. Based on the title, I might need to explain just a little bit. If you don't know what this is already. See, organ donations and transplants have saved countless lives. However... Some people claim to have received more than just the working organ. There is an increasingly studied phenomenon known as cellular memory. The theory that cells within an organ carry the memories and desires of the person to whom they belonged. While it's still very much on the fringes of science and considered flat out, you know, hogwash by others, as more studies are done, more and more examples appear to be making the case that cellular memory maybe more than just a wild fringe theory. And on this episode, we're going to dive into some really, really strange examples. So like we do on Strange Places, let's toss all preconceived uh, prejudices out of our head. Let's just examine things for how they are. And that's what we do on this podcast is, I say it every show, (laughs) every show, and you're going to expect it. You, You hear it coming, don't you? In the realm of paranormal, supernatural, pseudoscience, right? Common sense is something that's never used anymore. People want so bad for the thing to be real, you know, that they just never look at evidence for what it is. And is this something that we can outright debunk or something that requires more study? So here, we're going to give you a few examples of what could be construed as possible cellular memory. It's widely believed at this point anyway that memory is stored in the brain. Neurosynapses, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's all there. You know what I mean? The vast network inside of our brains is what's responsible for memory, they say. Well, how can we explain these circumstances? What's going on here? Is there anything going on or is this just craziness? Let's find out. A woman named Claire Sylvia has had strange cravings and dreams of New England, yes. Not only... Did the heart and lung transplant that 47-year-old Claire Sylvia received save her life? But it also made her the first person in New England to undergo the process. She's also convinced that in addition to vital organs, she received some of her doctor uh, donors' tastes as if his memories were locked into the heart and lungs and consequently are now flowing in her body. She told the reporter that when she was asked, 
what she wanted to do first after the operation. She said she was dying for a beer. <laughs> that was strange to her as she'd never enjoyed beer in the slightest before. And trust me, these examples that we have aren't just going to be about cravings. It's going to get weirder. I'm giving you kind of a... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting, I'm, I'm, I'm going easy on you first, okay? Over the coming days, she also found out that she was experiencing cravings for foods that she'd never liked or even eaten before, such as green peppers, Snickers chocolate bars, and strangely, McDonald's chicken nuggets, something that she never had a desire to eat at all, which is honestly kind of weird to me. Who hasn't had a desire to eat, you know, McDonald's chicken nuggets? It could come out tomorrow that chicken nuggets are made out of human infants and I would still eat them. McDonald's nuggets are the fucking bomb. Weird. Anyway, <laughs> she also began to experience strange dreams. She would see a thin young man who she believed was called Tim. Specifically, she had the words Tim L in her mind when she had these dreams. By searching through local obituaries of the days leading up to uh, the day of her transplant, she came across a gentleman named Timothy Lamarand. Timothy Lamaron was 18 when he died, tragically, in a motorcycle accident, same day as Claire's transplant. He'd been on his way home from, you guessed it, a local McDonald's. Weird, huh? A bag of chicken nuggets was found in his jacket pocket when the donors removed his clothing in a desperate attempt to save his life. Coincidence? I, I Honestly, I would think so, right? I mean, we get chicken nuggets all the time. <laughs> uh... Cravings are kind of weird, though. She managed to track down uh, Tim's family, actually, whom she hadn't met before. And they confirmed to her that the cravings she was having was indeed all for foods that he enjoyed very much. Beer and all. She has remained in touch with Tim's family ever since. Here's another one. Jamie Sherman awakes from transplant feeling rage and anger. Tucson, Arizona. Jamie Sherman had underwent several heart surgeries by the time she had a heart transplant at the age of 24. Wow, that's young. She suffered from a heart defect since birth. Okay, that's why. When she awoke feeling, uh, following the successful procedure, she felt a deep sense of anger, so much so that she wanted to fight, although she didn't know why. She began to have cravings for Mexican food, especially cheese enchiladas, which she'd never craved before. Again, what person doesn't crave cheese enchiladas? Are you kidding me? I mean, if you look up any recipe for, you know, cheese enchiladas, they're only made out of two things. Cheese and, like, actual pieces of heaven. You know what I mean? Crazy. <laughs> Six months following the transplant, Jamie, uh, Jamie, I should say, can't read today, met the family of her donor, 29-year-old man named Scott Phillips. She quickly mentioned her cravings and liking for Mexican foods, and she wasn't too surprised to hear that Scott's favorite food was indeed Mexican. Whose isn't? Just saying. And he particularly liked cheese enchiladas because he's human and he has a soul. When Jamie found out that Scott had died in a fight at a sports bar after being hit in the head and suffering major brain trauma, she felt that she now understood where her, like I said, these are going to get weird, weirder, where her sudden feelings of anger came from. She theorized that he felt anger and rage in the seconds before he was hit and consequently died. And these feelings, uh, feelings were locked in his heart when it was transplanted to her. Or, you know, so she believes. Uh, let's see, another one. 
Now we're going to start venturing into kind of the bizarre here. Sonny Graham kills himself in the same exact way as his donor. Fidelia, Georgia, 2008. Sonny Graham, age 69, took his own life by shooting himself in the throat. He'd received a heart transplant in 1995. Aside from being horribly tragic, his death was strange since the person whose heart he'd been given, Tommy Cottle, killed himself in exactly the same way. Perhaps even stranger was that Sonny had even married Cottle's wife, Cheryl. Yes, in 2004, after they dated for several years. Uh, It gets weirder. Sonny, who'd never displayed such dark tendencies ever before, met Cheryl after getting in touch with her several years after the transplant. He wanted to contact her to express his gratitude. The pair, who were almost 30 years apart in age, instantly fell in love as soon as they agreed to meet. To most, they appeared happy, with friends describing Sonny as a good man, Sonny disposition, and the sort of person who would gladly help someone he didn't know. Sonny and Cheryl had even talked about their experiences at donor-recipient conventions and fundraisers. And he said it was really bizarre that as soon as he met Cheryl, he'd never known this woman before, neither did he know how you know the other guy had killed himself. He said as soon as he met Cheryl that he was instantly in love with her, that he just instantly had this weird connection with her. And he couldn't wipe it out of his head. Man, they ended up getting married. And then he ends up killing himself in the exact same way as the donor. Weird. Another one is Amy Tippins has some strange new skills. Atlanta, Georgia. Not only did 17-year-old Amy Tippins develop a sudden craving and liking for hamburgers following his, her successful liver transplant in 93, this one I'm not going to make fun of because she was vegetarian before that. She also suddenly developed a deep sense of moral and civic duty and an appreciation for her community at large, like seemingly overnight. Now, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, going through something like she went through uh, would probably do that for you anyway, right? I mean, this is a life-changing thing. It would probably help you reevaluate uh, what you find is important. A lot of scientists and a lot of doctors even explain the craving thing, too, is that this is a major event in people's life. They kind of have a second lease. You know, some people end up taking way more care of themselves, and some people are like, fuck it, I'm going to live it up. You know, I'm a vegan, I know that, but screw it, I'm going to start eating fucking burgers, right? Life is short, and they know this based on experience. So I'm going to give you the, you know, other side of the argument, too. But this wasn't the strangest thing she noticed. She seemed to have new abilities. She noticed that she would wander into hardware stores without realizing what she was doing. Also, she knew a whole range of complex do-it-yourself skills and was physically able to carry them out without studying them. Amy had suffered from acute liver disease, which led to her requiring a new liver. She managed to arrange a meeting with the donor's family and learned that he was a former U.S. Marshal named Mike James. His family stated that hamburgers was something he like religiously ate, But perhaps more importantly to Amy, they said that he loved to work with his hands and had undertaken a lot of self-building projects at home shortly before his death. His family told her that his goal in life was always to help out and protect other people, that he had a really deep sense of community. Amy believes 
that through the liver transplant, she has absorbed some of Mike's personality and sense of duty, as well as some of his skills. Michael Hagen, another one, started crying during movies, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Again, um, doctors are saying that donor recipients don't take on the traits of the donors. They're just saying that, you know, there's these people are going through traumatic circumstances and life-changing things and getting a second lease on life. So people, you know, could end up more emotional and more conscious and, you know, more even more angry. You know, it, it, personality changes are a thing. But, uh, you know, doctors should be believed, right? <laughs> I mean, even though many doctors don't think that donor recipients can take on the traits of the donors, Dr. Michael Hagen believes it happens. In fact, he says he's living proof. Doctor, yeah, Dr. Hagen was an ER physician who contracted hepatitis C at work, resulting in a liver transplant in 1999. Dr. Hagen still disagrees with every one of his colleagues. He is adamant that this is real. After, hearing, uh, he, after uh, healing from his surgery, Dr. Hagen noticed several weird food cravings, including avocados, certain kinds of barbecue sauce. He said he never ate avocados before the transplant, but he started eating one every single day. Barbecue, never really big on his diet before, was one of the foods that he ate almost every day. But it wasn't just food cravings that changed. As an ER doctor, Dr. Hagen was trained to remain calm, collected, especially during stressful or traumatic situations. Emergency rooms are notoriously emotional places as patients, families, and friends cope with illness and death, as you guys know. After the transplant, though, Dr. Hagen became more emotional, even crying during nearly any movie he watched. Very drastic change to his personality. And uh, the identity of doctors, of, of uh, donors, rather, I can't read my own fucking notes, <laughs> is kept confidential. But Dr. Hagen later discovered uh, Shamika Jones, 21-year-old mother who was murdered, was his donor. The doctor attended the young woman's trial and even met her family, with whom he formed a deep friendship. Dr. Hagen learned that Shamika loved avocados and barbecue, and she was also quite the emotional person, especially when watching movies. William Sheridan is another one. He becomes an art genius. This is in New York. William Sheridan turned to drawing as a hobby to take his mind off uh, waiting for a heart donor to become available. Truth be told, he wasn't very good. <laughs> However, uh, one of the first things he noticed following his surgery in, back in 06 was that all of a sudden his talent for art had seemingly improved tenfold, like instantly. After agreeing to meet the family of the man who had donated the heart originally as part of a campaign to raise an awareness for the you know need for donors, he discovered that the man, 24-year-old Keith Neville, 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 am I saying that right? Keith Neville. Oh, it's pronounced Neville. Okay. Had been a very enthusiastic artist, and he was damn good too. In addition to the art skills, William felt he'd genuinely become more caring and loving, which he attributed to Keith. His case is just one of several that have been studied by Professor Gary Schwartz of the University of Arizona. According to him, more and more evidence is being found that strongly suggests that organs retain cellular memories and that every organ in the body appears to do this. Example, another one. Bill Wool is reduced to tears by a song he never heard. Hardworking business executive Bill Wool was not one for the outdoors. 
He preferred to roam the concrete jungle of the city as opposed to adventuring in the wilderness. That was the case until 2000 when he suffered a near-fatal heart attack. Fortunately for Bill, he recovered, uh, yeah, received a transplant, which uh, ultimately saved his life. He noticed nothing unusual at first until one day a song came on the radio that reduced him to tears for no reason he could think of. He hadn't heard the song before, had no idea who it was. He found out that the artist was a uh, British vocalist named Sade. If you remember that song, Smooth Operator, <laughs> Smooth Operator. Remember that song? Yeah, from the 80s. I actually really like that song. It's very jazzy. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, as his health improved, uh, pardon my singing. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I I broke myself there. Uh, As his health improved following his transplant, he began to have the urge uh, to be outdoors more, and he engaged in increasingly challenging activities, ranging from cycling to kayaking, something he had zero interest in before. Perhaps he was simply enjoying a new lease of appreciation for life in general. However... When he got the chance to meet his donor's family, Bill discovered that he was, in fact, a Hollywood stuntman named Michael Brady. Knowing this information, Bill asked Michael's family if he had a liking for the singer Sade. They said that Sade was his favorite singer of all time. Interesting. Sade's pretty uh, pretty obscure. Obscure enough to where, I mean, she's you know well-known. She has some famous songs, but... If you said that Sade was your favorite singer of all time, I mean, if all the singers throughout history and you choose Sade, that's uh, that's kind of an obscure one. Interesting. Bill, uh, now suspecting he had more of Michael in him than just his heart, described the moment as bizarre. And uh, let's see, another one that I have in my notes here, a French actress develops intense feelings of deja vu, Paris. French actress Charlotte Valandre, so sorry if I'm pronouncing this incorrect. I have a lot of problems with uh, with names. She had already overcome the numerous hurdles that life had thrown at her by the time she required a heart transplant in 2003. In 1985, at only 17 years old and with a very promising career in front of her, she was informed that she was HIV positive. Four years later, in 1989, she finally confided in someone about her condition, and suddenly her promising career was looking anything but. In a book she released about her life entitled Love in the Blood, she stated that she believed she had caught the fatal disease from a French rock star but did not name him. In the same book, uh, she also wrote about her heart transplant and the effects she believed it had on her in the following months. She stated that she began, this is interesting, she stated that she began to have a reoccurring nightmare of being in a car crash in which oncoming headlights uh, blinded her in the rain. She also stated that her taste had completely changed. We're kind of seeing a theme here. At first I was getting ready to dismiss the intense craving things, but this is kind of weird. Uh, she now had a liking for wine, whereas she never enjoyed it before. But you know what's funny to me, okay, I gotta say it. What's funny to me is people are having intense cravings for stuff that is fucking awesome. Avocados aside, I think avocados are disgusting, but (laughs) people are having these weird cravings for stuff that is just fucking awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Cheese enchiladas, burgers, wine, uh, 
it's just if if they, I would be a lot more convinced of this if they were having cravings for like really specific things, right? Wasabi roasted macadamia nuts or some shit. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, let's just you know let's keep our minds open. Um, what did I leave off? <laughs> okay, on a trip to India. She felt an intense feeling of deja vu everywhere she went and even recalled details of sites she hadn't been to before, although her doctors assured her that these were normal experiences for someone who had just undergone the procedure that she just had. She insisted in her book that she believes these new feelings and memories were that of her donors. Another one, Sean Bird, develops a talent for cooking. Yeah, suffering from small vessel disease, Sean Bird was facing the possibility that he would die within five years, maybe even less than that. As his condition worsened, his skin began to take on a gray appearance and his heart was functioning at only 20%, okay? A healthy heart functions at about 60 to 70. Then, out of the blue, and literally in the middle of the night, he was called out to the hospital, found a donor. The following day, he had a new heart, new lease on life. Sean was aware that people had experienced weird personality changes and sometimes developed sudden skills for no reason. Therefore... He wasn't all that surprised when he suddenly had a constant desire to cook in the kitchen. He was suddenly, and immediately, quite an accomplished chef, something that he simply wasn't before his operation, nor did he have any desire to be. He states that he not only feels a huge sense of gratitude to his donor and their family, but he wouldn't be surprised if he shares his newfound love of cooking with them as well. Turns out that the donor was quite the, uh, quite, quite the chef. David Waters develops a random craving for burger rings. Uh, well, in this country, we would call them onion rings. Uh, every time that I looked it up, you know, on any article, I kept seeing burger rings. Where did this happen? <laughs> uh, New South Wales, Australia. Okay, that's why. Because <laughs> I kept seeing burger rings. I, I think this same thing. I think they're onion rings here, right? Same thing. Australian uh, listeners, correct me if, I'm, if, if I am wrong here. But David Waters, age 24 was suffering from stiffening of his heart ventricles, only had months to live, when he finally received a new heart in 06. It came courtesy of 17-year-old Caden Delaney, who had been on life support following a car accident. He didn't recover, and per his wishes, his parents, Greg and Shelley Delaney, gave permission for his organs to be donated. Greg and Shelley spent the following two years trying to contact the people who had received the organs when they finally managed to speak with David. They discovered quite an interesting development. For no reason that David could understand since the operation that saved his life, he had developed an intense liking for the corn-based snack burger rings. Okay, so it is different. Corn? Okay. He told Caden's parents that it was the only thing he wanted to eat after his surgery. His parents informed him that his son, in fact, loved burger rings, which were his favorite snack in the world. He believes he gained this particular liking from Caden as he never wanted to eat them before the transplant. I want to find out something. These were all the examples I had, but I want freakier examples. I want something way more specific. I thought I had it nailed, but as I'm reading them out loud, uh, some of these can be construed as, you know, people just have a new lease on life here and the weird cravings that they're getting. They're getting cravings for something that's the tits anyway, <laughs> you know? But there's a couple that I'm thinking like, whoa, that's that's kind of weird specific nightmares about things that have happened, deja vu. The Said thing was pretty strange, but I want to go really down the rabbit hole and see if this is a thing. I wonder if people have come out of this, like speaking other languages and shit. Um, 
I'm going to do some Googling real quick. Let's see. I want to find out. Okay. So apparently there have been, I didn't see a language thing. Maybe if I really dig, maybe if I really dig, I might find something. But uh, what I'm seeing here, just hopping around the internet really quick, I'm seeing that there were people who awoke from organ transplants immediately able to play certain musical instruments. One of them being, uh, well, actually one, I'm seeing a list here. One, two, three, four, at least five just on this one website alone where the patient has woke up instantly knowing how to play the piano. I'm a musician, okay? I've been a musician for 23 years. The hardest instruments, if you asked, uh, you know, if if you asked the musically schooled, right, or the uh, uh, musically, what am I looking for? Uh, the musically educated, like uh, legit musically educated, uh, not just listening to all, you know, Zeppelin albums in a row, actual going to school for music and shit. What are the most complicated instruments to play? Every time you're going to hear on the list, Probably the French horn, the oboe, guitar. I was on there. Uh, the drum set, uh, which I play. It's known as one of the hardest instruments to learn. One of those, you know, harp is uh, extremely difficult to play. Bagpipes, trumpet. You just need, you know, ego <laughs> the size of a building and lungs of fucking steel. It's either that or some insane coordination and uh, the ability to, you know, like I said, lungs of fucking steel. But what I would place as far as number one is probably the most difficult instrument to learn, aside from the violin, would be the piano. And that immediately made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I can't explain it unless you're a musician on your own. The theory alone behind piano is fucking unreal. It's ridiculous. And I'm seeing on here that there are people who emerged proficient on the piano in particular. That doesn't happen. You don't wake up one day good at the fucking piano, especially if you've never played one in your entire life. I'm telling you, this is one of the most difficult instruments in the world to learn. And I'm seeing multiple examples of it. And yeah, some of these are confirmed by like doctors and shit. That's really weird. That's weird. Okay, now listen, man. <laughs> I take a lot of stock in this. I know I'm a musician and I, I have a unique perspective here. Any other fellow musicians out there, you can attest to how goddamn difficult just the theory alone behind the piano is. I'm not talking about being able to play chopsticks. I'm talking about musical proficiency. Um, what makes the piano so difficult is that you're playing basically rhythm and lead with two hands at the, at the same time. And again, I go back to this. The theory behind it is fucking murder. Proficiency, right, is different than playing the first line of November Rain. <laughs> you know what I mean? These people are developing a proficiency on this instrument. That is bizarre. Okay, oh, here we go. Hunting around, I see one more case of a person waking up fluent in Spanish. Okay, this is getting fucking weird. I didn't... Uh, I was on the fence at first. This is freaky. Now, a lot of this, I think we can chalk up to... You know, these are major things. This is an organ transplant. These are people who have 
And even then, you know, a lot of these procedures can fail. Your body can reject it. There's a lot of shit that can go wrong. The medication that you're on can cause a lot of problems. And um, these people were given new leases on life. And this is going to change you. You know what I mean? Something this big is going to change you. Imagine, just imagine walking around knowing that your heart came from another human being that was murdered or died in a car wreck or had three kids and collapsed with a sudden brain aneurysm is what I'm reading right here. Amazing. Wouldn't that be a trip? Can you really put that into words to yourself? Like, imagine that. You're walking around with a heart that's not yours, with a liver, with lungs that aren't yours, that belong to another living, breathing human being who had a past, who had emotions, who had feelings. It's a theory, cellular memory, but look at our studies of the human brain. Do we really know 100% what's fucking going on up there? No idea. We don't know how neurons work. We don't know. Uh, we have an idea, but we don't know if memory is stored in the neurons. We don't know what part of the brain they're stored in. Every time that we think we zero in on something brain-wise, we find up that the we find out that when you know you have a subject that focuses on that one thing, or you focus the the study on one thing, the brain always lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. We have no idea how the damn brain works. We don't know. So how could a doctor be so bold to say that memories are stored in the brain and that's fact and that's irrefutable? I, I disagree. I'm not going to say memories stored in the cells. I say maybe it's a human soul thing, but you know, without going that far, I'm just going to say, why don't doctors just admit they don't fucking know? Or the jury's still out, right? Uh, it's obvious that we don't know 100% about the human brain. We don't know where memories are stored. We don't, we just, we don't know 100%. We don't know. When brains, when you're human, when the human brain is doing some kind of an activity or you know, whatever, there's certain areas of the brain that light up. But when I say it lights up like a fucking Christmas tree is that, you know, there's other areas as well. Everything is connected by these, uh, you know, neural pathways that move almost damn near at the speed of light. When you use certain neural pathways multiple times, such as learning a skill or doing repetitive motions or whatever, those pathways are strengthened, which is what scientists believe and doctors believe. That is what physically creates a memory. But how do you explain these cases? The cravings, I'm not willing to put a lot of stock into that. Like I said, it kind of bugs me that a lot of the cravings people are having food-wise are they're having cravings of things that are just fucking awesome <laughs> that they should have cravings for anyway. The one who was a uh, uh, vegetarian that started eating burgers. I'm sorry, man, but I'm not seeing anything crazy there. I'm just seeing a person who has a new lease on life and says, hey, I'm going to fucking live now, man. You know, or some people emerge even healthier than they were. Look at the guy that was eating avocados, right? He was probably having beer and steak every day. He starts eating avocados. He just maybe subconsciously thinks more about his health now. But other things stand out. Being proficient in extremely difficult, I said proficient, not playing chopsticks, being proficient on 
Uh, you know, I don't mince words like this when it comes to fucking music. I've been one. I've been a musician for a long time. I, you know, I play the drums, boy, and I, you know that's that's a very difficult instrument to learn. Proficiency, that's weird. Uh, people who seem to know other languages and shit, that's odd. Very weird. I'm not gonna debunk this thing. Because I think that people, maybe my list wasn't all that great, but I tried to compile just the most interesting ones I could find. The guy who killed himself the same way ended up marrying the same woman, felt like he'd known her his whole life, was exactly what he said. That's really fucking bizarre. That one's strange. But the food cravings and people being more emotional, I, I would think that would be natural. You know, after an organ transplant, I wouldn't be amazed at that at all. I would just consider that, you know, is cellular memory a thing? I don't know why it's a theory, why people just jump to, oh, it's stored in the cells. I don't know. It could be stored in, you know, the, the, the why does it have to be the cells? <laughs> you know, could be stored in the atoms. It could be, maybe there's a human soul elements involved, right? Maybe memories are stored in the heart, liver, lungs, Right? Maybe they're stored in certain organs. Your memories of your birthday are stored on the heart. Memories of every dump you took is stored in your lungs. Memories of every time you know you made out with that one damn good looking fucking redhead chick in high school. Woo. I'm not gonna say her name. <laughs> Maybe that's stored in the pancreas, you know. Who knows? Is there a human soul aspect to this? Some of this is pretty weird. So I'm not gonna completely debunk this. I'm going to say this definitely requires a hell of a lot more study. And we should come back to it on strange places in the future. See if we can definitively say something. Just looking at things at face value. I think a lot of it's bunk. I think a lot of it's honestly bullshit. Or people wanting cellular memory to be a thing so bad that they're willing to overlook stuff that's just kind of like, all right, you know, that's, eh, we're splitting hairs here. But there are some things that I really can't come up with an explanation with. And just looking at it at face value, not having to stretch, no preconceived stuff, no nothing, just looking at it for what it is, pretty weird. And I think merits some further study. This is one that we'll have to go back to, honestly. We'll, have to, we'll keep compiling different lists and maybe get some different stuff. What do you think? Do you think cellular memory is a thing? Do you think that people can take on the traits of their donors, their memories, their feelings, actual tangible memories, feelings, things, right? Do you believe in it? Let me know. Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things strange places related. All the social media links are there as well as the link to get to our Patreon account. If you want to head straight there, just go to Patreon.com slash Asylum817. That's where I do the... Patreon for no disclosure, as well as uh, Strange Places. For as little as a dollar a month, dollar, you'll be helping out the show big time. Cable, you know, podcasts cost money. Not a lot of people think they do, but I'm talking on about $1,000 worth of gear right now. And on top of that, a $1,000 computer. Uh, so we're, you know, not counting cables and this mixer and this fucking boom arm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you hear a little bit of bitterness there about my boom arm? Stuff breaks. Stuff goes bad. Sometimes shit doesn't work. And I'm using Windows 11, which is one of the, honestly, one of the best, if not the best operating system I've ever used. But there's, it's new, you know? So there's still things, little as a dollar a month, you'd really be helping out. Podcasts cost money. You don't think they do, but they do. Shit goes bad, you know, and you got to replace it. 
So anyway, thanks to the patrons that are helping out, by the way, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson, Prevail Guitar Works, and the Joe Show podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for helping out the show, believing in me, and uh, monetarily helping to support Strange Places. You are keeping this fucking thing on the air. I I assure you of that, and I am eternally grateful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah, reach out. You could send a voice message. Let me know. Go on Asylumite17.com and... Uh, you know, reach out to me. Let me know if you uh, there's something in your hometown that you want me to talk about, something that you're really itching to hear an episode of Strange Places about. Uh, let me know, man. We'll do one. Anyway, I will catch you guys later. And, uh, I mean, are we ever going to run out of Strange Places to talk about? Well, I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.